Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Tech Podcast. That man joining me today, across from me, virtually, via his voice to you all, is the ablaze Brant Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. And that, that gentleman over there, who's clearly in quite the mood, <laughs> is, is, is the heartbreaking Will Curran of Endless Events. Ooh, I'm a heartthrob, you know, heartbreaking. I turned my hat backwards. Is that what made me a heartbreaker now? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's that's exactly that. That's what it was. It was the hat. <laughs> it was the hat. Sure. It was for sure the hat. Um, well, today we, uh, we we wanted to kind of recap a talk that you and I just recently gave to yeah. the, the public set, and I don't think everyone got a chance to kind of check out. But it was still a really cool topic. You want you want to tell everyone a little bit about what we uh, what we did? Yeah, for as a lot of you know, I've been working with the Event Leadership Institute for for pushing pushing ten years now. It's hard Ooh. to believe, um, and uh, Will was kind enough to join me uh, on their uh, uh, one of their more recent summits, and so it was. I believe it was behind a paywall, so but yeah. uh, it uh, it went through. Um, but we just thought we it was we had a we had a blast. We were first thing out of the gate in the morning, which is always a dangerous proposition. Um, to I be, like us know, being first. We get to like yeah. set the mood for. Like the whole yeah, day, yeah. So we came in with with, with the, just our usual tons of fun and energy <laughs> and stuff like that. But I really did like the format, so I got to give it up to Howard Givner for 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 helping guide us into into a format. We basically did, you know, a lot, a lot of like the the sports networks and things like that. They'll have like the lightning round, you know, rundown where like a topic will come up and there's a clock ticking and everybody goes around the horn and they they weigh in on it and they've only got a couple seconds. So basically, we did that. Uh, for for hot or hype on event technology trends, and it was an absolute blast. And so we thought we'd give uh, for folks who weren't able to join us on that uh, a little bit of a window into some of the things that we talked about there. You know, what was really interesting. I think was that like you and I didn't do any real prep for it either. Too like we just kind of like knew, like we knew we knew what the topics were, but we. We we didn't know what each other were gonna say. Right. Yeah. And I was gonna so, say like, right, we did some prep, but we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did some prep, we but we uh, <laughs> we didn't like prepare our answers to know right, like oh we were right, gonna right. disagree on this. So like it was almost surprising sometimes. Like one of us would go first, and then I'd be like, wait, you think this is hot, and I think it's hype, and I think it's hype. Like, and we like it was it was really really interesting to see happen. But it was actually like that only happened maybe one or two we disagreed on. Most of them we were like pretty aligned in terms of hot and hype. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, and that shouldn't be a shocker. As, as, as <laughs> wait, wait, the guys who talk on the podcast every right. single week uh, disagree, aren't aligned in what they talk about. They have similar <laughs> feelings about things. <laughs> this is true. Exactly. This is very true. Well, exactly. it's funny too because like a lot of these topics we have, we we've we've kind of touched upon on in the industry uh, in on the podcast in some ways um, too. But yeah, how do we how do we want to for today to give a summary to everybody? Do we want to kind of just go down the the topics each one and talk a little bit about each one? Yeah, I think we just we just do it. You know, we rapid fire it a little bit. We won't have the clock. We won't no be clock. under the gun. Yeah, we had like um, two minutes for both of us to talk. <laughs> yeah. Which which that takes that's like us saying hello is like you know, half an hour long. So I think this know, podcast is already at two minutes and we haven't yes, even gotten any yes, content. Yeah, we haven't yeah. We haven't done anything and we're already five minutes in. So yeah. Um let, let, so we started off I think the first one was uh like coming out of the gate was like one of the most like 
topical, you know, interest like things that like everybody's talking about, but no one knows anything about. <laughs> we should we should go back one because Howard sprung one on us at the at the beginning oh, of it. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, 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 hey, oh, say hey before we start. Do you think Elon Musk should buy Twitter? Because oh hadn't yeah, been announced at that point. And, and, and then it hadn't been announced, hadn't been confirmed at yeah. that point, and we were like, oh oh it was, oh, um, it was crickets you know. for a second. I think I said um. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked your response because I had no idea what to say to it either, too. Yeah, and I was just like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I don't really know if this really affects anybody in this room right now, so let's let's just move on. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's been a thriving event prof community on Twitter for well, quite yeah, some you, okay, time, I should, so, yeah, yeah, like it's... assuming that Twitter doesn't disappear overnight, then you know, yeah. does it really matter? <laughs> I'm definitely in the we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> department. Yeah. Let's just. I think my answer has always been like, I just like the, I like the shakeup. I like things being different. You know, I don't, I think, you know, not, not the, you know, it'd be like you using soap that used in 1980 still, you know, soap has gone better since over the years. Like just keep, you know, it hasn't. No, no, it's it's, it's just still just soap. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, NFTs. NFTs was the so first thing. First out of the one gates. was NFTs. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, what's interesting is I've kind of gotten into the blockchain space more recently and learning more about it and stuff like that. And at first, I was just like, I think this is the dumb. Like, I remember like maybe three months ago, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I love the idea of it like being unique, but I was just like, the speculative hype of cost was just is insane. Um, and I remember feeling like that that hadn't changed since I learned more about what they do and everything like that. Um, so I think I ended up voting like hype on this one, if I remember correctly, and just being like, it's just, it's just a lot insane. of, it's a lot of hype. So, so the example that I gave during the presentation was Jack Dorsey's first tweet. So not, it's just screenshot, right? So NFTs, we should probably give the, the 30 second primer for anybody who's still confused about it. So NFT non-fungible tokens, uh, what it is, is a way of digitally, it's digital credentials saying that you own something. So even though it's something digital, like uh, you know a tweet or a screen grab or a little clip of video or a piece of digital art, um, it's saying, yes, I paid for it, I own it. And so yes, even though you can right click on it and you can save it, um, I am still technically the owner, just like you can go to the museum shop and get a print of the Mona Lisa, you know, it's not the same as owning the Mona Lisa. And so yeah. there's, there's, there's some, some value to that. And so, the thing that that uh, that I brought up was that Jack Dorsey's first tweet somebody <laughs> bought for two point nine million dollars, and then just about a week before we went on to do this show, uh, they tried to resell it, and the high bid was two hundred and eighty dollars. So a <laughs> little bit of speculation going on. Um, you know, anytime there's a large number of people trying to get more people in on the ground floor, it <laughs> usually means they're looking for an exit. And so, you know, it's, you know, when you got a good thing going, you sit on it and you, you know, you tell your friends, you keep it quiet and that kind of thing. But these, these, these NFT and crypto bros are like so actively trying to get people into it. It's painfully obvious that they're, you know, they want to be the first ones in and the first ones out. And then the last person that gets holding the, you know, is left holding the bag is, is going to lose out on these things big time. And you're going to get stuck with a $280 thing that you paid $2.8 million for. You know, and they actually have a term for that in the crypto space. They call it pumping and dumping. Yep. So, so and that goes uh, like, back. Yeah, that goes back to stocks. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. You, know, you hype it, hype it, hype it, hype it. Um, for anybody who's interested in in hearing a little bit more human version of the story, uh, this American Life actually did a whole segment on a guy 
who was just kind of a computer programmer and had accidentally created one of the first NFTs and, you know, let it die. And uh, it, was, it was resurrected and it told his whole story of just like being contacted by random crypto guy, um, suddenly becoming a millionaire overnight because they resold the, the, the NFTs on the open market. But then it, like, it gets into intrigue and like maybe there's a bot, you know, net that's buying NFTs and maybe oh, it's the Russians and maybe, you know, all this kind of thing. So kind of an interesting story uh, if you're worth want to learn more about uh, that space from kind of an ordinary human side, you know, standpoint. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that like, you know, for example, the idea of you can own like your concert ticket from this event that you go to. That's really, really cool. But like this idea, like when you hear the the tens of hundreds of that, like like the hundreds of thousands of dollars that are going to this, it's all it's all gambling. So like don't don't go into it thinking it's about the money or things like that. It's more about, you know, where I see a lot of value in it right now is people are using it as a form of knowing that you are like a part of a community or you are uh, indeed the went to that concert and this is proof that it can't be like you know duplicated and that sort of thing. But, you know, if if you're thinking about this in terms of a money aspect or things like that, like well, might as well just go to Vegas and put it on black. <laughs> I, th I think I think you're exactly right, and and both this one and our next topic, I th there are. Let's be absolutely clear: there are legitimate, cool uses for this stuff. So, being able to digitally prove that you own a digital asset, mm -hmm. so that's what we're saying with an NFT, right? Is that so? I bought this pair of really cool shorts that are like VR shorts, so you know you can only wear them in metas face you know that kind of thing so being yeah. able to prove i paid for that and i own it um you know in the digital world is going to be important it's going mm -hmm. to be important as we move on and we do have more metaverse type options out there so this is definitely cool technology it's important but 100% hype right now. <laughs> Definitely, 100% hype. Um, so yeah, the next topic that we have is a kind of a, a sister topic to it, um, which is the idea of crypto and the blockchain. So um, there's kind of like two different parts of this. And um, you know, since we're on the tech podcast and we have a little bit more time too, is that like there is a difference slightly between blockchain and crypto and cryptocurrency too. So like something to keep in mind when it comes to the blockchain, blockchain is like the underlying technology, right? It'd be like the internet, but then like crypto is just the, is the concept of it being the, how do I, this is the first time I've tried to explain this to somebody after I've learned about it. But like, for example, with cryptocurrency would just be like the financial aspect on the blockchain. And sometimes people just call the blockchain just crypto in general, because it's the idea that it's all based on like secure, um, you know, crypto photography and these complex algorithms and things like that. But um, in reality, the big thing just to kind of keep in mind is the blockchain is the under, un, like the public idea that everything lives on a block and it's transparent. And then the idea of cryptocurrency is just that it's the financial way of transacting on the blockchain, essentially, um, yep. on there too. And once so. again, really important uh, you know, technology moving forward. So it's, it's, um, you know, blockchain is used for a lot of things besides cryptocurrency. So blockchain, again, is, is, as you touched on, it's, it's the ability to have a digital record of something um, that, that every time there's a transaction that's tracked, it's kept on the blockchain. So every time someone trades Bitcoin or gives someone Bitcoin, that's written to the blockchain. And one of the things that they're actually struggling with is literally the whole blockchain is getting really, really big. Yep, totally. <laughs> um, and that is technically transferred. And so some of these other cryptocurrencies are experimenting with ways of keeping the blockchain, you know, relatively small. So only, you know, not everybody has a full copy mm -hmm. of the blockchain, but that then starts to make it dangerous. Like the cool thing about the blockchain technology is that everybody has 
access to the records. Like everybody can yeah, see it. Completely public ledger. Yeah, it's like completely the, public. Right. It's like your bank statement is public to everybody. Right. And so that's that's also why some of the myths of cryptocurrency is that it's untrackable and you know it's anonymous. It's like nope, they're catching an awful lot of bad guys using yeah. Bitcoin <laughs> um, because they're not real smart about how they do it. And all of a sudden, somebody stole forty nine million dollars in Bitcoin and then mysteriously <laughs> adds forty nine billion dollars to this other <laughs> to this wallet. They just have to figure out whose wallet that is, and then it's good. Um, so, so once again, it's really important technology. There's a couple different technologies there. There's the blockchain, which again is that digital record of of you know I own this, or you can use it for smart contracts. That's what they're saying. So, so if I buy this NFT, that's why all of this stuff is kind of connected. Um, if I buy the NFT of Jack Dorsey's first tweet tweet for for $280 um, and I, and I buy that not only does it show that I record that but you can build things into that contract saying if I resell it um, mm-hmm. you know then I get a percentage so it's great mm-hmm. for artists or photographers or something like that that you know if somebody sells uh, an NFT of their photo and then it gets resold, they can get a percentage of that. So musicians, um, you know, anytime there's that secondary market for sales, uh, the common, the combo platter of NFTs and crypto blockchain um, uh, can enable those types of things. Once again, though, that being said, awful lot of hype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Important technologies, awful lot of hype. What's interesting, too, is that, like... Um one thing is that if you're interested, by the way, in like the, the fraud aspect of, of blockchain, there's a great YouTube channel called CoffeeZilla, where this guy just like finds fraudsters on, on, on there and like, you know, exposes these pump and dump schemes. And it, it, it's funny because these people think they can get away with these pump and dump schemes because it's all anonymous. But in reality, like they don't realize that like people can sometimes figure out who you, what your wallet address is because they know like your wallet address is like almost the equivalent of like knowing what your bank account routing number is. And so like if you know what your bank account routing number is, you can track the transactions as they're starting to happen. So um, really, really interesting. So I won't go down that rabbit hole. But, um, y- you know, you bring up this, uh, this idea too that like, you know, the, all the smart contract technology, I think is really, really interesting. Like it, it also enables a lot of things like loans, for example, like people are loaning out their NFTs and technically you still own it and it, the, the, the tokens attached to you, but then that person can do stuff with the NFT and it's, it's led to some, some really interesting things. I think the biggest like potential for crypto and blockchain really is decentralized finance. And like, you know, I, I think I might've mentioned this on the, on the, on the, during the uh, event was about I think the future for this is like international events. Like how many of us have to deal with like, I think Stripe has something like an 8% fee. If I have an, uh, like someone from Ireland that needs to buy a ticket for an event in the United States. And you know, that high amount of fees that are coming on in, it can sometimes like really hurt a planner because you know, no one wants to be Ticketmaster and charge the fees to the end person, you know? So where I think crypto has this future is that if they can get the what are called gas fees, basically the transaction fees, really, really low, you know, I think uh, the the head of Ethereum wants to get to like five cents or something like that. You know, imagine you could literally tell all your international attendees, yeah, you can pay with it with crypto. And in return, like you don't have these massive fees on there. Um, obviously, like, you know, you hear about volatility and that's what concerns a lot of people. But there are cryptocurrencies that are stable that are matched to like the U.S. dollar. For example, there's the USDC coin that's like matched dollar for dollar to the U.S. coin or to the U.S. dollar. Um, so I think there is some potential out there for, for it to become an alternative com- uh, currency for you to accept for your events. Um, and uh, yeah, to, to, to do some really, really cool things with that. Yeah, I'll, I'll tack on to that real quick that, that, that you know, one of the big 
and this will again lead us kind of into our next one is that the, all of these so this technology nfts and then as we roll into metaverse and vr is all part of this web 3 idea mm -hmm. and the whole point of web 3 is this idea that it's man it's decentralized it's yeah, it's yeah, deregulated yeah. you know but here's the thing is that it's still centralized it's just not government run so yeah, all the cryptocurrency yeah. and things like that are, is only being run by you know three or four uh you know handfuls of companies or groups that that are having problems and if you really want to wallow in 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 some of the pain that's going on of of gas fees and stuff like that there's a great website called web3 is going great dot com <laughs> and and it is it is it is it is described as web3 is going just great and is definitely not an enormous grift that's pouring lighter fluid on an already smoldering planet uh, so this is, is like the, a, is the, interesting so this yep. so is this one's mainly about all the things that are gone wrong it's a it, timeline too. you have all the things gone wrong so so there was you know they minted some new you know nft stuff and uh the gas fees you know the the nfts were 500 dollars, and the gas fees were six thousand dollars you know stuff like that <laughs> where you know where people were paying six thousand dollars in fees because it's kind of like uber where there's this surge pricing so if everybody goes on all at once it's an attempt yes. to try and yeah, yeah. like we were talking about the blockchain being a big chunky thing it's an attempt to try and smooth that out so you don't have people all hitting things at once and so yeah there's people selling digital you know farmland for 500 bucks a plot but then having to pay six hundred six thousand dollars in gas fees so web3 is going great is a is kind of fun to, to wallow a little bit and see all the things that are going uh, not so wrong but that should probably move us on to our third or our I next got one more crypto one before oh, okay. we go right, one more on the metaverse um a lot of like what i thought was a controversy around um around crypto is that you'll hear a lot of people talk about the environmental impact of of crypto um specifically bitcoin um and then also people will talk about ethereum which is like the second biggest one um i think one important thing for everyone to know on here too as i've i've actually personally gone into crypto mining um is that there's a move towards this idea of proof of stake versus proof of work. Basically, I'm not going to, like, we can, <laughs> this probably gets way too complex yeah, for this that's, podcast. That's, that's deep stuff. There. But the important thing to know is there's like a 2.0 version, a better way of doing crypto that doesn't require heavy amounts of compute power to do it. It actually can ran off like something actually less powerful than your cell phone. And that brings down the electrical costs to transact. So there is a future that if you're not using Bitcoin, because Bitcoin's never going to go towards that new model. Um, but if you're using a different currency, like Ethereum's moving towards this, there is a, a environmentally uh, better options out there because I'm just all about sustainability too. So like when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, like why should we be using this if it literally uses, you know, this much electricity just for us to transact? Like that's worse than us printing a paper dollar. Um, so yeah, so I think this is something to kind of keep in mind that there is better options out there and available to you as well. Absolutely. All right. Metaverse. Metaverse. You know, I mean, the, the the biggest thing for me that I struggle with metaverse is that for a lot of folks, it's become slang for yeah. VR, for yeah. VR, basically. Yeah. Whereas for other folks, this idea of metaverse is actually more Web3. So it's like it's all of these technologies wrapped together. It's more kind of it really is next the next generation of the web, just like we had kind of Web 2.0. You know, this is kind of looking at Web 3.0. Which is funny because the web the web has always been kind of deregulated and decentralized to a certain extent. It, yeah, that's at least been the hope uh, of of the web since the beginning. Till Amazon um, decided to create AWS, basically. <laughs> right, right, right. And and so so you know the the continuing problems of the metaverse. You know, I know you and I are both fans of VR. We both mm -hmm. enjoy VR. Um, 
I think there's a lot of room for growth. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, the metaverse, as it's being described in a lot of the hype that's out there, um, really has a lack of definition. It's it's these kind of decentralized freedom man concepts, you know, a lot about NFTs and crypto, mm -hmm. or it's this like slang term for VR of, you know, yeah. meeting in the metaverse and let's be in the metaverse and I'll see you in the metaverse. I do think it has like a PR problem in its way because like the, it was smart, right? All the people who were in charge of de decentralization and uh, you know crypto and things like that were like, oh, we're, you know, you know, Web three is part of this. We need to roll it into this hype that Facebook is now creating when it comes to the metaverse. So it was kind of like smart from the but it also creates a ton of confusion on there too. Um, you know, I think um, my biggest thing, you know, I think itself like. You know, we've talked about VR a ton of times. My thing is, like, I always feel like it's almost right around the corner. I feel like we're getting there. I think that when Apple comes out with a headset, everybody will then adopt VR just like we did with MagSafe and, you know, Chi Wireless charging and things like that when it came to the iPhone. Um, and so I think one of the things I think about when it comes to this metaverse stuff is for the metaverse to truly exist, it's the idea that, like, you have one single place for everything, right? It's kind of like when you watch Ready Player One where he's literally, like, you know, calling someone and it's literally going through to the, you know, the, the my gosh, what's up? God, man, it's my favorite book, too. I should totally know the name of it. The name of the world that they created. Oh, my gosh. The... I'm just totally blanking on it, and now I have to go read the book. This the weekend. Oasis? The Oasis. Thank you so much. I was, I was um, hoping you'd get oh, there. I didn't oh, want to. Oh, man. It's a, you can tell it's getting close to the weekend. Um, so uh, it's funny, though, because like I think that we haven't gotten there, and I'm, I want to wait. to. I will consider the metaverse a true success when I can go in VR and then also have a messaging app. And I get it because Facebook's going to really be able to do this with how big Facebook Messenger is and Facebook is. But, you know, the idea of having one app to do everything and you go from virtual to in-person to hybrid and everything in between, that's going to be really cool. And I think that's also what's going to disrupt the industry in a lot of ways too because, like, it's going to maybe put a lot of these event platforms in, like, all the silization that's happening. Like, is that a word? Siloing? Siloing sure. that's happening. Let's say <laughs> Silization. Will's making up words. Um, I think that will you know make it so there's less and less of them which i think honestly is what attendees want too like no one wants to you know download another event app we talked about this over the years less than so 200 times. more than three is yeah. what I yeah like. it was like <laughs> yeah yeah less exactly. than 200 more than three because it'll be great if you like you know that everybody goes on the same app it utilizes the same thing you know and, and and what's interesting though is that when you do that though and it's all in one single platform if it is on like a blockchain or some sort of decentralization where it's completely open source and things like that you've achieved your goal, but I'm scared of what's going to happen, which is, oh, we're going to talk about this decentralization, but then we're all going to be on Meta's platform and it's all in one and it actually goes from even less decentralized and it's even more centralized. And, you know, that's a, that's a really scary um, concept. You know, that's really where you are in like Ready Player One where Oasis controls, you know, 90% right. of the economy. <laughs> well, and who honestly believes anytime soon that it's not going to be, okay, this is Apple's VR, this is Facebook's <laughs> VR, this is Amazon's VR and none of it's going to talk to each other, but there'll be apps within each of those that maybe those talk to each other that like maybe gaming, I can go, right? Yeah. Right. So it's going to be, there'll be, it's, yeah, it'll be the internet only in VR and, <laughs> you know, it'll be, you know, each, each have its own little world and maybe your digital assets will transfer between them and maybe it won't. So I just, that's why I just think it's, it's still, it's, it's 
my next category fully on. It's wonderful technology. I love it. I can't wait to see it be more, but it's still very much in the hype stage. Yeah, I start to feel like it's a lot of hype. I feel like people are trying to like tack it on. No offense to anybody that's listening to this podcast who's tried this before, just like tacking on a metaverse tab on your event yeah. app. It, that's not the metaverse. Please just don't do that. Like no one enjoys it. <laughs> It's like AI two years ago. Like everything had to be AI yeah, two years ago. It yeah. was AI, AI, AI. And we'll have AI still in our list, but oh, I, I jumped for you, AI. Sorry, sorry about that. And I'm <laughs> no, also going to save some of my powder for the AR section as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To- we almost jumped into the AR, I think, when we yep. did our talks. So we'll, we'll save for it. All right. So, so, so on to drones. 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 I love drones. I think drones are awesome. I wish I owned more of them. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I, you know, it's what I think the frustrating thing for me is that the U.S. is especially was, was really slow in getting it approved and figuring out what the regulation was. I, I've seen so much cool work being done in the EU and around the world um, where they they didn't rush to shut it down mm-hmm. quite so quickly. Like, nobody uses drones until we figure out what's going on. And so, we, you yeah. know, we let they let people experiment a little bit more and there was beautiful work being done in decor. So like you imagine like things that can rise and float and, uh, you know, fly around concert venues and stuff like that that you know one of the things that always sticks with me it's hard on an audio podcast but um there was this German singer and she had like floating dolphins that were like bobbing oh, yeah. up and down yeah, around the one that was in the arena that like went viral right yeah yeah and so yeah. there was those kinds of things Disney I mean the the Disney patents for some of their drone work you know we've we've seen you know more and more of these these basically the flixels, the fireworks, the fireworks drones that are flying out and drawing pictures in the air. That patent's almost 10 years old at this point. And so wow. Disney patented that 10 years ago to be able to do these flixels where you could draw images in the sky. And at the same time, there were actually two other patents that we haven't seen yet. And one is just like drones towing giant swags of fabric. And I'm sure they probably have to be careful about windy days and stuff like that. But that's that's part of the patent as well, (laughs) is just these like, you know, you imagine like the Disney castle and like swagging it in giant fabric with drones flying around. And then the more like creepy one was like using drones to do giant marionettes. Marionettes. So, so you've got like a giant Jack Skellington, you know, or something like that. And that would only, you know, and then you've got drones basically pulling the strings. And since it's all computer controlled, you could literally do these giant puppets with the technology that exists today. And I'm sure it's just a matter of they're trying to figure out how to how to do it without it blowing away in the wind because you know creating a giant sail but so very interesting patents on the disney side i think drones are still hot i think there's lots of cool things that we can be doing them beyond just we're gonna fly a drone up and everybody wave kind of stuff um and we're already seeing better coverage in sporting events and movies and whatever the new spin-off football league is they're flying drones around to use to do the oh, uh, the camera work um which is oh. probably annoying there yeah. you throw the football a little too high or you, you know all that kind of yeah yeah you know, but because uh, those things are loud still but as they, they get are. quieter and smaller and with higher resolution cameras i think uh i think there's still a lot of fun that can happen on the drone side yeah, like for me, a lot of my like the the hot side of things is the video production side. Like you just get the coolest shots, get being able to do drones. So I think that's definitely hot. I I like part of me also feels like like 
I used to be so about like special effects and like real like when I was on the production side, I was like, oh my gosh, lasers, you know, uh, lasers are still pretty cool. But, uh, you know, like the idea of doing like a giant marionette Jack Sullivan like would get me really excited. But then part of me also then thinks about like our industry and how much like we struggle with like how do you justify the ROI of an event? Like how do you justify the ROI of like tens of thousands of dollars getting put into a giant marionette of Jack Skeleton. Like, like if you were Disney, like you build brand alignment video and it goes viral. But like what I'm seeing a lot of times is like, you know, for example, like Tesla did their big uh, Austin thing and they did a big like drone show and, you know, you know, and they put like Dogecoin like graphic on it and stuff. And it was really cool. But the question was like, did they, did they, A, did it generate more press for them? I don't know because it's Tesla. Whatever they do is always going to generate a ton of press. But then, like, did it really, like, accomplish their goals? Like, I don't know. But, like, you know, that's me maybe being the, the Debbie Downer and going yeah. back to the Brent drinking game. <laughs> but think about, think about things like, like projection mapping. I mean, you know, where's, what's the ROI true. in that, right? It's, it's, that's true. It's, it's cool. It's big and cool and fun, and that's all that it is. And so, you know, fireworks shows, those are expensive. And, you know, you have to have safety, you know, and fire people standing by. It's, but people love them. You know, that's you finish true. your event and you go out on the patio and there's a cool fireworks show. It's like, yeah, yay. You know, so same kind of things with drone shows and projection mapping and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just big wow factor. I guess I'll add my like caveat for all these items is like if you're struggling to figure out how to like justify your ROI and you can't get your budget up because your stakeholders don't understand why you're spending money on events, you probably shouldn't be pursuing any of these topics almost for your probably. events at this point. Like, you know, yeah. you maybe need to go back to the basics on some of some of these concepts. Work uh, work your way into it. For yeah, sure. work your way into like having a giant marionette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe marionette. don't start there. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe work your way up to that. Just, you know, don't just dive right in. True, true. Okay, um, next one I think is an area that we really get excited about. I think we did a whole episode of I think we almost have a whole episode on every single one of these topics. I think NFTs is the only one we haven't done one on, maybe blockchain. Um, but smart. next one is smart glasses in augmented reality, which you and I probably – we're going to link to like all the episodes we talk about with this one. On it's, it's coming in and it's coming in hot and um, Apple has been slowly – quietly. So while Facebook's been like metaverse, 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 Apple's been actually implementing things mm -hmm. very slowly, very carefully um, over the course of the last few years. It started when they actually started putting in LiDAR and stuff like that into the higher end iPhones and iPads to be able to scan 3D objects with your phone. Or and measure distance. Get, Crazy. Measuring distance. I mean, that you can do some amazing stuff already. Um, you know, during the presentation, I actually like brought up a pie, you know, on my <laughs> desk while we were while we were actually talking. Just that, that and all it, that had been scanned. That was done with an iPhone, and it had incredible detail. Like I could zoom my phone in on this, you know, virtual pie that was actually sitting on my actual desk um, using AR, and it was incredibly detailed. Down, you know, I could as if as if you were your eyeball was an inch away from the pie, um, and so. Apple's been baking this stuff into their operating system over the course of the last few years. The rumors are that they're going to be coming out with some glasses or eyewear here pretty soon, um, and then work their way into a virtual reality headset. Um, they're all behind this USDZ um, 3D object format, um, which is a zipped 3D object format. Um, you can you can open those right now natively on your phone and in your Mac um, uh, using using a preview. Uh, you can open up these three these these beautiful 3D objects, um, and then the new M1 uh, chip is a low power 
Mm-hmm. High output. I mean, like you can do incredibly high number of trend, you know, uh, uh, calculations per second uh, on a very low power chip, which is exactly what you're going to need for very sleek, uh, you know, Apple AR eyeglasses. Uh, <laughs> eyeglasses or their eventual VR things. And so that when when I when when that little piece fell into play, of like, oh. This is incredibly powerful chip technology that takes almost no actual, like, mm-hmm. l- you know, electric power uh, in order to be able to do so. That's all of these things are coming into play. It's gonna be hot. You know, I just thought about you know, like, um, you know, like terms that end up becoming like brand terms that end up becoming the word that you end up using, like Kleenex, for example. And I was just thinking of this because you said it. You know, is Apple gonna call it the eyeglasses because? Technically, eyeglasses is what you wear are just normal glasses. But if they call it eyeglasses, will people forget that they were called eyeglasses in the first place and always think it's like lowercase eyeglasses? The the rumored name is Vision. That makes so sense. So Apple Vision. Uh, Vision OS is what it is. So Vision OS. That makes sense. Um, and since that tends to be the naming convention of um, uh, I, you know, iPad OS, mm-hmm. iPhone OS, Mac OS, Vision OS would be Vision would be the name of the product. That makes sense. That's cool. Apple (laughs) Vision. And Apple drives me up a wall. They (laughs) name things common names. And so (laughs) when you want to look up how to do something in Keynote, and you Google Keynote, or pages, or numbers... Or what was the thing that I was looking up the other day where it was, oh, I was trying to find Apple Shortcuts because the, the, the app, yeah. the app, the it's app called. called Shortcuts, the app is named <laughs> Shortcuts. And so when you look up Apple Shortcuts, you get a thousand Google articles about, you know, Command C or Command V about keyboard shortcuts. It's like, oh, it drives me absolutely up a wall. So I would not be surprised because now Apple Vision is going to yeah, be, you know, it's, you're going to get Home. ads for optometrists. You know, yeah, it's 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Vision. Oh, you know, I got apples in my eyes now. Right. It'll be, yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, get, you'll get ads for the optometrist that's next to the Apple store. <laughs> I think we're both in agreement, though. I think that like the exciting part about this, I think we talked about this on the podcast, so I'll just briefly say is like the exciting future is when these glasses get in the hands of everybody. You know, Right now, I don't think anyone's busting out their phone to do AR in an event to be like, oh, let me find my map where to go. But like, imagine we all had the glasses or contacts, where the heck it is, and literally signage at events goes away that um you know the ability to um you know uh, look down at someone's badge and then boom their profile pops up above their head you know the ability that like you know we talk about how do we get in-person attendees to merge into the virtual attendees like imagine going into a, a a keynote um and there is a you know you can see the chat bubbles flying up from all the virtual attendees and that you know you even see the, the avatars floating around like you literally feel like the virtual and the in-person worlds are just merging together and I think that's really, really exciting. I think that's 100% coming real soon. Um, and Not real soon, because when I say real soon, that sounds like yeah, a year away. It's, the it's next, coming. It's coming soon. And I think that that's the most exciting thing for me. And I, you know, if I had to pick a, a, a horse in the race, AR over VR, I think we always say that on this podcast. AR over VR, I think, is the exciting future for events. Indeed. Next. Oh. 
his next one, Brand. Where's, where's Kyle when you need him? Where's Kyle when you need one? And also Will's like favorite thing to talk about these days too. Um, we're talking about community in 365 degree platforms. We've talked a lot about this on the show, so we probably won't, don't want to beat it too much with a dead horse. But the idea of like, you know, the mythical idea that we've been talking about for years is how do you get people on your event app before the event? And how do you keep them long after in, in, in encouraging with each other? Um, and I think we've talked a lot about this one. And, I, you know, I think this one's coming in really really hot really soon yeah yeah i mean your your event app is soylent green it's made of people um <laughs> so it's it that that's the thing that i keep emphasizing <laughs> is that you can't you can't just throw technology at something and, and expect it to go. So if you want community, if you want a 365 platform, yes, you need a platform that's capable of it, but then you need to get the people in there, you know? And so yes. get people in there, get people talking, get your most influential attendees in there, rocking the event before you send the email out to everybody else that says, here's where you download the app and all of that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, try and keep those people moving, give people incentive. Yeah. to stay in there and stay moving. And so, you know, give them a, hey, we want to get folks going. Uh, we'll give you a 10% discount off of the conference if you download the app two weeks early and make X number of posts or something along those lines, just to get things moving. And then having good moderators, having good hosts that are in there uh, helping, to, helping keep the conversation flowing, um, helping keep the conversation safe and and secure um, all of those kinds of things it's really it's it's less about that you need the technology you need the tools in order to make it go but you also really need the people in order to make it go and i think one of the as, as i've started to learn more about community is that this is not new <laughs> right you know like yeah. it I, th I thought to myself, oh, yeah, this movement, like, A, the industry, the events industry has talked about, it, I think it's new to us in some ways. Maybe it's been around for the industry for a little bit longer than I, than I, I think. But the thing is, if you search like community management there's associations for community managers already there's communities for community managers there's podcasts for community managers like that whole like community management idea like and i'm not talking about association management i think that's totally different like talk about community management which i think is the future versus association management that is like there's there's so much information there's conferences about community management already and like i'm not talking about like oh hey like a small like no these are like thousand people like this is a, a big big movement and i think that it's fueled a lot too and i think what's going to make this a huge trend is that it's not only fueled by the events industry wanting to do it and it just being a general trend, but it's getting pushed by marketing people. Marketing people want this community stuff because they realize they can get people to buy more. They can buy more. Their, their loyalty goes up. They buy more often. And, you know, they, they, they just stay long. Their, you know, lifetime value of customer just continues to go up. And, you know, marketers are going to always feel a lot of uh, big trends and changes if you see marketing get behind it then that's what's really going to be huge um so i think that you know for me community is 100 hot 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 and we we'll probably talk we talk a lot about it on this podcast and i'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more i have a feeling we'll be talking about it more <laughs> and, more as, and more as things go on it's very true um all right on to data privacy and security also one of our favorite topics on this i have podcast. nothing to say about this nothing at all <laughs> nothing we actually hate it total hype yeah. yep Total hype. Oh, so the next one is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously you and I both have and probably will again. You know, we've, we've talked for hours about mm -hmm. this kind of thing. Um, I was just in Miami talking to a group and, and uh, 
managed to hold myself to five minutes talking, <laughs> talking about talking about um, uh, data privacy and security. It's it's so important. It's mm-hmm. so absolutely important. As we and we as an industry. I've been screaming it for a decade and I'll continue to scream it. We as an industry need to start taking responsibility for our data and for our attendees' data and understanding that it's not that they're hacking me, Brant. They're not looking for my credit card information. They want what I've got access to, which is our event data. And so especially as we start to reincorporate our in-person events um, into our event strategies, understanding that if you're talking about executive names, phone numbers, like personal cell phone numbers, addresses, so that, you know, because they're going to get picked up by the black car service from their house, um, spouse names, flight numbers, all of that stuff is incredibly important. That's gold to mm-hmm. to to bad actors because then all they have to do is create that one email, which they now have the personal you know the email of the executive, um, and say you know good evening Ms. Johnson uh, we you know, we're excited to be having you at our such and such event uh, we see that you're coming in on Delta Flight 381 at 8:57 p.m. we want to make sure that the car service is there uh, please click here to uh, acknowledge that nothing has changed in your itinerary and we'll make sure that the car picks you up on time click boom hacked done mm-hmm. and so it's not us that they're after it's our clients and our executives and all of the folks that are out there that we serve in this multi-billion dollar industry they're getting wicked smart too um so yeah we talked about this one we'll link to a last podcast we've tons of podcasts we've done about this we did a webinar where we talked about this and more applicable things that still to this day i i think that webinar on is your event vulnerable cyber attack is gonna be like our timeless one that's like there's not many timeless technology things so that's gonna be one <laughs> unfortunately sure. yes unfortunately yes <laughs> yes um so what i'll add into this is related to more burning new trends is um you know we talked about community a couple seconds ago well if you're deciding to go towards community this becomes even more important um, because now it's not just oh i have my for this short period of time two days but you might have all messages back and forth with people you might literally have the whole social graph that they're going to continue if you're building a community they're gonna have way more data on it on you too. So data, protecting your community data is going to be really, really important as well. I also thinking about too, like, you know, the idea of privacy, because this is data protection slash privacy, is that there is, I, I will say that the while people aren't being smart about sometimes two-factor authentication and unique passwords and things like that, people are starting to question like, why do I have to accept all these cookies? What, like, what, you know, why, why, how does this ad know so much about me? You know, how did it figure out I was pregnant before I told any of my, you know, my family members? You know, I think people really care about privacy now. And that's one reason why it's fueling back towards the community model is that people don't want to get, are looking at Facebook and going, I don't like this company. I don't want to give my data to it anymore. And I think that that trend is going to start to hit that you will have attendees who might be like, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't want to fill out my profile 100% on your event app because I don't know what you're going to do with my data. And then you're going, well, but I need you to be engaged. I need your full profile fill out. And they're going to be like, well, what are you going to do with it? Like, prove to me that you're going to be safe. And you're going to, they're going to be like, so do you even have to factor authentication on your email? And you're going to be like, uh, I don't, I don't. And they're going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to engage on your platform. I, you know, I'll just show up and you can give me a paper one. There are people that are like that now and mm-hmm. they're becoming more and more common. And I never thought I would say, it, but I'm slowly becoming one of those people who like, I'm, you know, used to say from the shout, shout from the rooftops, oh, hey, Google can have all my information. It makes my life better. But, you know, I'm even questioning that. And then the last yep. thing I think when it comes to the data privacy piece is 
Um, you know, this is really where I think, you know, it's even more important if we're talking about like, all our apps are going to go to decentralization into the metaverse and things like that. And the web three is that security becomes even more important. So, um, the, this will go down a little nerdy rabbit hole. I apologize, Brent. Um, is that like, you know, when you're doing cryptocurrency, for example, you want to have a wallet to store everything into. And what happens is a lot of like people who are doing this recommend having a physical wallet and they're like super secure. They're like, you know, their, their passcodes are imprinted on steel that they then store in a vault in three different banks around the world. And like people are really intense about their security because they have to. Because if someone figures out your secret password, they literally can just drain your bank account immediately um, and not have to do like not even simply hack it they literally just can just be like yep uh, set that come out boom gone and all your money's gone so you know the idea of being safe on the internet I think is gonna just continue to grow more and more and more which I, I'm happy about and I think that more people need to be aware of so yep get a password manager enable two-factor authentication we should probably move on. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, my bad. All right, machine learning and AI. Sometimes it was good to only have that two minutes. No, it wasn't. I, I'm speaking as much of myself, <laughs> if not more. Um, yeah, no, 100%. I, I sometimes go down the rabbit hole and this stuff for sure. <laughs> um, so AI machine learning. Uh, we did a whole episode on this, like uh, about how your app doesn't have AI. It has a predictive analytics yeah. um, on here. So um, I, I think it. Yeah, go ahead. You can well, I was saying, this was totally the buzzword of 2019. I mean, like, so so it was all about like everything. Every marketing piece talked about AI. It was AI. It was the metaverse of two years ago uh, or three <laughs> years ago. It was absolutely like AI, 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 and oh by the way, AI, AI matchmaking. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I I, I think th this one it feels like. It's important that we're moving all in the right directions and things like that when it comes to this. But it's, you know, I, I think, again, like anytime I think we talked we, the conclusion on that podcast was just like anytime someone uses the AI question that it's actually AI and is it really predictive analytics or machine learning? And I think most of the time is machine learning and just stop saying AI. I feel like that's the biggest yeah. Thing when it comes to this and that's what makes it lean towards being hype for me is like just the overuse of the word ai but i do think that machine learning and predictive analytics is is very hot right now yeah there's some there's still there's still some cool stuff i mean it's it's another one of those important technologies that became a marketing buzzword for about a year mm -hmm. uh that all died down but it's still progressing and so there's some very cool work in in true ai of like where you can Tell tell an AI the one that I was seeing just recently is you can describe a scene and it will just make that scene oh, like so cool. and you can, can just say it. I want it to be photorealistic or you can say I want it to be in the style of Vincent Van Gogh or you can say I want it to be and and it'll just make that and and some of them are hor horrible or <laughs> horrifying but some of them are actually very cool and so because it's learning and it's learning what we like uh, and what we say yep that's right and so it's learning when you say it's correct and it's learning when you say that's incorrect um but for me there's you know my head goes to production land of like okay when we're talking about uh you know powerpoints and things like that well you know i want an image of a person with their hands raised in a v uh standing on a mountain looking at the sunset and it pro programmatically creates that image for you it's not going to be you know you don't have to worry about copyright you don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff 
you know, I'd pay five bucks for that, especially if then I own it, uh, you know, as an NFT or whatever <laughs> that says that now I own that that little bit of uh, of digital. So I think there's a lot of fun things that are coming down the way as as usual, where there's going to be uses for true AI. Uh, as opposed to, like you say, machine learning, where it's just sifting through a data set, looking for things that are similar, and that's not really AI. Totally. I think uh, two parts in recent developments for me that have been exciting. Um, one is like that you talk like the idea of like deep fakes. I think are actually really interesting. I think we freaked out about deep fakes when we were like, oh my gosh, how do we tell they're real or not? But like in this last week, I think a uh, software tool came out or someone developed a technology that can detect deep fakes like at a ninety nine point nine percent accuracy. So that's going to bring people to be like, okay, we don't have to worry about the deep fake. Everyone will be able to recognize or detect it or you know put a label on it, which I think is interesting. But the idea, of, you know, imagine you can't get you know um, Gary Vaynerchuk to be your speaker for your conference. Imagine Gary's like, well for a thousand dollars i'll let you have my likeness and um i'll you know uh allow you to record someone else talk giving a talk or whatever it is i don't know like something part of that makes it interesting to me and like uh, the, how it's going to affect the industry in terms of that um in terms of like content creation and things like that um but then the other thing i think that's really exciting for me on the ai machine learning aspect is uh i think we have to get these guys potentially on the podcast is i was meeting with the guys from clipper and they were talking about and i don't think even though they have dot ai in their their url they're amazing machine learning algorithm that's allow us to categorize content and make it searchable and findable and you know the ability for it to clip down to like specific sections of an hour-long talk that you care about oh, that's really exciting for me but we'll have those guys on to talk about it a little bit further and i think yeah, that's yeah really I, exciting I met those met them a while ago and would yeah i would love to hear an update to yeah, hear they're, how they're, they're killing it. they showed me some cool stuff and i was just like oh, i want this <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think uh, yeah. My my thing is, I think AI machine learning is hot, but the overuse of AI word is hype. There you go. So. It's it's a mix. <laughs> Facial recognition. Ooh. Well, we did also another episode on this one as well. Um, so we'll just link to that below. That's the Zenus episode we did. Um, yeah, if, if this felt like it was a trend in like 2019, it felt like, and now it's just like, oh hey, now we we got to continue what we were doing in 2019 and onward. Would you agree? Yeah, I think I think as you know, people are still uh, hesitant in what they're comfortable with um, you know, coming out of pandemic, um, as in regards to germs in general, you know, and just and touching things, even though you know whatever it's you know you don't have to get into the, the fact that it was an airborne illness. There's been people a lot. People always of, want everything uh, hands free. That's why yeah, Google. Homes there's a lot exists, of cleanliness right? theater that's gone on over the course of the last couple of years. <laughs> but that being said. It, there's a lot of people who have gone, yeah, you know, I didn't really like touching those things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so being able to do contactless login or uh, 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 registration uh, and things like that, I think uh, will continue to expand. I think there's definitely going to continue to be a market for uh, using that as a login, um, especially when it's being done safely. We've done episodes on that in the past. Um, I've freely admitted that I was very uh, skeptical uh, of the technology early on. Um, but when it's opt-in and when it's being done securely uh, and safely and, you know, compliant with GDPR and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of potential there and a lot of ways to, to use the technology very effectively uh, in events. Totally. Uh, two technologies I like in this area is Face ID. I just switched over to Apple recently, as you guys all know. And 
honestly, Face ID is incredible. Like I, I thought like Google's just doesn't even come anywhere close to it. And it's honestly, it's so nice. I just literally don't know how to live without it. And then the other one is, uh, is clear. Um, go in the airport and I don't ever have to bring on my ID and I literally just show up, scan my, 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 my boarding pass on a thing and then I'm onward. And now I don't think I even have to scan my boarding pass anymore. Literally, you just literally scans your face, boom, and just go onward. It's like, that just makes everything so much nicer. Just that. I think it's airline dependent on when, because so Delta, yeah, Delta's got a tie in. So it always takes my, uh, shows my boarding pass and, and I don't usually have to show that. Cool. I might be wrong on that one. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it is nice. It is nice. And Delta's on the on you know just to use them as an example. And again, it's part you know kind of part of our industry. Um, they're doing a lot more uh, with facial recognition and things like that to the point where they're starting to work on it with the Sky Clubs oh, and nice. things like that, where you can just walk in and go Ning, and it goes, "Yep, gotcha." It's so ni- it's so nice too because like I always like have like a tea in my hand or and, like I want to carry food and you know yeah. uh, back in the day I used to have the yeah. vlogging camera with me and it's like just take something so I don't have to use my hands anymore. You gotta go digging in your pocket and like yeah, st- yeah stick your tea in your <laughs> elbow and find your boarding pass or bring it up on your phone or whatever. 100%. Yep. So I'm in. Uh, I would actually. So I have a funny way to describe this one. I think this is a lukewarm one. It was hot. It was hot. And it's already being done and it's already like starting to happen that like it's already at the point where it's like, yeah, just do it. Like it's not even like a I can like see a, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's know? it's like it's it's yeah, it's 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 not hot, it's just reality. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. There you go, there you go. It's like cars, hot or not. <laughs> Electric vehicles, hot right. or not, right there now. Go. There you go. There you go. It's just um, just reality. All right. Um, on our last, last topic, yep. attendee tracking. Attendee tracking. Um, I I can definitely say, you know, as as we've gone through this last two years, um, and you and I have talked about this many times. There's folks that got it in the data department. And there's folks that d- didn't really care because this was just a stopgap, and we need to get through it and get to our, you know, get back to our in-person events. But the folks that in got terms of virtual it, events, yes, uh, online events. You know, the data that you get from online events is incredible compared to in-person events. So the ability to know who saw what, when, how long they looked at it, um, what mm-hmm. sessions they stopped into, what sessions they left about halfway through, <laughs> um, which which virtual you know expo booths they went to, who they meet. Who they meet, then being able to go to your expo, you know, your exhibitors and say, okay, not only here are the 300 people that stopped by your booth, but here's the 50 people that didn't stop by your booth, but went to these four uh, breakout sessions that have to do with what you sell. Um, You know, that level of data, those folks that got it, who courted those folks that got it and worked with those folks that got it are going to be used to that amount of data. And so when you return to your in-person events and go back to, well, here's the, here's the people, here's the attendee list. (laughs) They're not going to be happy, right? They're not going to, they're not going to want that. They, they're going to want the same level of, we want to know who went to what session, who came in, who came out, who attend, you know, not, not just who's up by our booth, but here's, you know, what other sessions that people go to? They're going to want all of that data too. Your sponsors, your exhibitors, your internal stakeholders, your salespeople, they're addicted to that data. And if you just come back and say, eh, here's the attendee list, you're going to be in trouble. 
it's so true. I'm 100% with you on this one. And what's funny is that, like, if this isn't something like, oh, now we have to develop the technology to catch up. This stuff's been going on way before the pandemic. RFID tracking, low, Bluetooth yep. low energy. We did a whole case study on Click um, on this podcast as well um, as an example of attendee tracking. And, like, you can do this now. But the thing is you got to budget for it because it, yep. on the event app side, it just comes with it. it, it can, you can do it or you can slap a tracking code on it. It's super easy to do or free. But this, it's hardware infrastructure, it's pre-planning, it's, you know, not only the, the badges, but also like all the beacons around that track everything. So you got to think a little bit more and be ready to pay that money um, because, yeah, people are going to want it. But man, like, again, like this stuff, because now sponsors want it, you can easily get this cost covered by saying, we're the only event you're going to go to where you find out all that information. And they're going to be like, right. Yeah, I mean, talk about a differentiator. If you've got competitors in your same space in your events, this is one way to distinguish yourselves and say, you know, this this is all the cool the cool value add that we've got. And yes, you're spending money, but you're spending money to actually be able to prove ROI, like prove ROI, not just guess. And so when you talk about attendee tracking, you're not just guessing that the vodka luge in the corner of the ballroom was popular because the couple of times that you walked in, there was people waiting in line for it. But you'll actually be able to see, oh, actually only a quarter of my attendees ever stopped by there. And that thing was incredibly expensive. So maybe it wasn't worth my while uh, to have that in the corner. However, the golf simulator on the other side, the VR golf simulator was slamming all night long. Um, and you were able to see that. And it's important to know that it's not just, yeah, it's not just the, our, the radio tracking and, and the Bluetooth low energy and stuff like that. There's other types of sensors. And so you can put in smart floors in expo room. I think I imagine kind of this idea of like, in addition to the double padded carpet, you can also order having a smart floor put in underneath your booth. And that's going to track, it, it's able to tell through like gate detection and weight and stuff like that the same person. They're able to track that through your booth and say, this is when they came into your booth. This is when they left your booth. This is how long they lingered by the rack of, you know, materials that you've got. This is how long they waited by the television. This is how long they sat in the, you know, in the conference area of your booth. And so you're able to start to get some of the same type of tracking using physical trackers with your attendees as well. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things is, too, is when it comes to this is that people say, well, what's the why do I want to do all this? People are going to not want to be tracked. And we to go back to data privacy. If you make it valuable for people that it that's where it makes it. And I think that's like when we did the click case study, one of my favorite things is like make it so you go to a session. And then when you leave, it says, oh, you attended this session. Here's all the handouts that you had. Or, hey, by the way, like you just tap your badge to someone to trade contact information. Like when you make it actually valuable, people are totally willing to share data with each other and with you as long as it adds value. So. Amen. Amen. One of the questions I get asked all the time is, how do I get my attendees to opt into this stuff? Well, make it valuable for them. Like, yep. you know, it's oh, if, if I'm just constantly giving you all the data and you get the, you get the ROI <laughs> and you get the sponsorship money and you get the exhibitor money and all that kind of stuff, where's the value in it for me? So, you, yeah, the fastest way to make someone opt in, you think about all the data that we give to Facebook and all the data that mm -hmm. we give to Google. It's because people have value. They find value in those services. They find value in Gmail. They find value in Facebook. So we have to make it valuable for our attendees as well. Exactly like you said, here's the sessions. Follow up with them after the event with an email that says, here's the sessions you went to. Here are the handouts. Here's the contact information for the presenters. Here's the people you connected with with the mobile app. You know, And oh, by the way, and here's value add again. Oh, by the way, 
you might want to check out one of our sponsors who actually sells the product you know that you were interested in it's that same kind of thing of like you didn't you didn't stop by these four vendors but you might want to check them out based on the the sessions that you went to during the event brilliant. value add brilliant well that was all how many t 10 of the topics that we had on the hot or hype session that we just gave I call it hot <laughs> hot or hype. hot I've been, I, I've, as i've been describing the session people i've been calling it the hot or not one <laughs> 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 I just get, I think, dates right. me a little bit for anyone who yep. knows what that is. Um, so, but yeah, uh, I, that, like, I think that was really cool. This was cool to do an hour because I think we only had 30 minutes to do the last yeah, one. Yeah, so it was really tight. Cool. It was jamming. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's nice to be able to expand a little bit on each of these topics. And it's nice too, because like a lot of people who listen to this podcast, listen to our past episodes or are willing to, so we can just be like, go check out that last episode, go check that last. And you like, we have hours of content on each of these topics and I'm sure there'll be some for NFTs and blockchain probably, well, or probably not because there are a lot of hype. <laughs> so whoop -de -whoop. yeah. Well, I, we're towards the end. This is a long one for everybody, so I think we'll wrap it up real quick on here. We'd love to hear from you though. If you disagree with any of our hotter hype decisions, shoot us an email, event tech podcast at helloendless.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, um, I'm totally gonna bring up Slack really, really soon. Is that, uh, let me bring it up real quick. Is that one of you doing that hashtag, hashtag event tech podcast? Yes, hashtag event tech podcast on all LinkedIn and Twitter. We'd love you as well. But wanted to give a shout out to one of our listeners uh, who sent a personal note over to us and said, uh, Nicholas, um, and I'm a, Say it, Nicholas Martineau, I think is how you say his name. Um, but yeah, he, he said, I can't believe this podcast wasn't on my radar before, but thank you so much for all the content that you put out. But thank you, Nicholas. Mm. We do it for you. We're glad you find value in what we do. Um, and we really appreciate you listening as well. So Yay. we listen. Shoot us an email, hashtag event tech podcast. We'd love to hear from you as well. But Brant, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a blaze today. It's been hot. <laughs> it's, it's been hot. It's been a hot. Not just hype. True, true. I didn't realize how well Blaze was going to fit into the hotter hype topic. Uh -huh. uh, sweet. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been the Event Tech Podcast. Event Tech out! Sizzle, sizzle, sizzle. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.